0: Calling all birders. Join us from May 18th to the 21st, 2023 for the Great Salt Lake Bird Festival. Don't miss the premier event for both amateur and seasoned bird watchers. Enjoy workshops, keynote presentations, and over 200 species of birds. Start planning your trip by visiting greatsaltlakebirdfest.com. That's greatsaltlakebirdfest.com. It's winter. Hello and welcome to the American Birding Podcast from the American Birding Association. I am Nate Swick. Happy New Year list. It is officially, at last, the year of the belted kingfisher here at the ABA. It is our 2023 bird of the year. We get asked a lot about how we choose the bird of the year every year and there's no real method to the madness. But if we get a bird that is common enough That most people in the U.S. and Canada can see it, but also notable enough that every time you do see it, you get that little surge of adrenaline that comes from seeing a cool bird now. And we know we've hit the sweet spot. And I think Belted Kingfisher is that bird for a lot of people. Uh, Though I've seen many of them, I don't think I've ever been disappointed or bored with a Belted Kingfisher sighting. I've never tossed it off. I almost always raise my binoculars to get a good look, provided I'm not too slow as they go bolting by rattling. As friend of the ABA, Rick Wright notes like a fireman's watchman rattle, which is a little bit of a dated reference. I think people know that device, you know, the ratcheting device that you spin around as a party favor rather than an important public safety device. But nonetheless, that is what they sound like. I love a belted Kingfisher. When I started my life list as a teen birder on the completely arbitrary date of June 1st, 1993, I just I picked a pick day and just started writing down new birds. I saw a belted kingfisher was one I saw pretty early on. According to that three ring binder stocked with college rule lined paper, I saw my first belted kingfisher on July 4th, 1993. See, I grew up in a place called Lindenlure in the Missouri Ozarks, and my family was one of only a few who lived year round in this little unincorporated community by the Finley River. The rest of the folks were typically from the nearby city, quote unquote, of Springfield, and they'd spend their summers in houses that looked out over the small lake, closer to home, likely cheaper than similar summer homes further north around Lake of the Ozarks, if you're familiar with the area. In any case, summers were a pretty carefree time for my family, as both of my parents were public school teachers. We spent most of our time those three months kind of lazing around the river, canoeing up around the bends playing volleyball on a grass court erected by Dr. Cook and his wife who owned the common area. And on July 4th, Lyndon Lure would throw a big party that would last all day. There'd be a huge potluck, big cookout, play games, run races, hold a parade with Dr. Cook himself. Leading the way, playing a sousaphone fitted with a garden hose mouthpiece. I kid you not, there are are photos then in the evening, people would break out the fireworks and start going nuts on the basketball court. Imagine 10 year olds running around with lit punks, lighting explosives as tall as they are, while everyone else kind of sits back in lawn chairs, ooing and ahing. He began to get the idea. Dangerous? Yeah, probably. It was a different time. In the midst of all this, in 1993, I guess I saw my lifer belted kingfisher, but certainly not my first belted kingfisher. It was likely. Sometime in the late afternoon when the races had been run, everyone retired to the old public dock to swim in the lake. I've seen them that very place pretty much every time I've been back. The bird probably scattered when the people came, rattling its displeasure and flying upstream toward the clay banks where they preferred to make their nests. It was undoubtedly peeved to be displaced, but obviously well-received by everyone and nonetheless appropriately attired for such a patriotic occasion. You know, maybe we missed the boat with the bald eagle as our national bird. I think the belted kingfisher would have been a little more appropriate. Certainly hits the American ethos a little bit better. Brash, maybe a little cocky, and always clad in red, white, and blue. So let's hear some belted kingfisher stories from all of y'all out there, as we have in years past. If you want to record your own story to the voice recorder app on your phone, Send it over to podcast at aba.org. I would be delighted to parse them out over the course of the year of the Belted Kingfisher 2023. I'm excited now, though, to welcome our 2023 Bird of the Year artist, Liz Clayton Fuller. She is a popular streaming artist on Twitch, a former podcast guest for that, and just a delightful person to chat with. I talked with her in Nashville just before our big event. Her work, Queen Fisher, will feature on the January issue of Burning Magazine, available to members along with some cool stickers. Just saying, no better time to join. We talk Kingfisher's art, streaming, all after this week's, well, let's be honest, the last month's Rare Birds. Okay, buckle up. It's been three weeks since our last rare bird focus. And while I hoped that the fire hose of rarities might slow while I was gone, it did not. We've got some work to do. This is your rarity focus for the end of December, very first little tiny bit of January. That's 2022 to 2023. Let's start with ABA area rarities that are not first records. A common shell duck seen in Lebanon County, Pennsylvania, prompted, understandably, a lot of discussion about provenance. Common shell duck is a widespread European species that has seen a range expansion and population increase in Western Europe, leading predictably to more records in the ABA area, mostly in Eastern Canada and New England. One in Pennsylvania is a little farther afield, but comparable to the pattern we've seen from other old-world waterfowl in recent years, notably pink-footed and barnacle geese, but also tufted duck, gray leg goose, and common poachered. So natural origin can't be completely discounted, especially given the influx of euro species we've seen of late. On the other hand, shell duck is commonly kept in captivity, and this individual appears to have a cut on one of its footwebs that would suggest that it was marked by a breeder and thus is of captive origin. Uh, That can never be completely confirmed. A lot going on here in any case. Speaking of Euro rarities with less ambiguity, a Eurasian blackbird was discovered visiting a feeder in Cartwright, Labrador. This is only the third record for North America and notably the first living record. Predictably, Newfoundland and Labrador already has one of those records. Bird found freshly dead in 1994 and the other comes from Quebec. Down to Texas, where the ABA's fourth record of spotted rail was picked up by non-birders in Guadalupe County. The bird, evidently in the middle of the road, was captured and taken to a rehabilitator, where it still remains, as far as I know. Of the four previous records of this species in the ABA area, this makes two that have been taken to rehabbers. One found dead, and only one found alive and unrestrained. Out to California, where a red-flanked blue tail was found in Santa Cruz, that is California's fifth, though only the second chaseable record. Also in California, the state's fourth wood sandpiper was found in Riverside County on the San Jacinto Lake Christmas Bird Count. On to the first records. North Carolina's first record of white-crowned pigeon was seen on the Wilmington CBC. That's in New Hanover County. This is only the second record of the species north of Florida, the other from coastal Virginia. Cuyahoga County, Ohio, is the center of the Ohio rare bird universe right now, as in the last week, two first records have been found there, both goals, as you might expect this time of year. At the end of 2022, a common goal was found and Cleveland birders rang in the new year with a state-first glaucus-winged goal, scarcely a week later. And we end with the wildest rarity story I've heard in some time. An apparent Gundlach's hawk was photographed in Cape Coral, Lee County, Florida, at the end of the summer. This is a very skittish and secretive Cuban endemic species that looks very similar to Cooper's hawk. In fact, that similarity is such that it has been suggested that this bird is just an aberrant Cooper's. The species is not known to vagrate and, of the Cuban endemics, is probably the least expected bird to turn up in Florida, as it's consistently the most difficult of the extant Cuban species. In any case, very odd, the bird has not been refound, which is probably the most gundalox hawk thing about its behavior so far. Those are the recent highlights, but for the full list, check out the ABA Rare Bird Alert on Fridays at aba.org. rba You can also follow along with all the rare bird news in our ABA Rare Bird Alert group on Facebook. 2023 is here and with it, the new ABA Bird of the Year is Belted Kingfisher, a truly fantastic and charismatic bird that we are excited to highlight this year. With a new Bird of the Year comes a new Bird of the Year artist and the January issue of Birding Magazine will feature a Belted Kingfisher cover by Liz Clayton Fuller. She is an artist, a scientific illustrator, a bird streamer. Some folks may remember her appearance on the podcast a few months ago in that capacity. At the time, I was not aware that she was coming back to be our next artist, uh, but what a happy coincidence. Welcome back, Liz. Congrats on the fantastic
1: artwork. Thank you. I'm really excited to be back, and especially for this reason. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: we're going to have a good time this weekend uh, announcing the bird of the year to the, to the rest of the world. But of course, by the time this podcast episode airs, everyone will have known it will be old news, but hopefully we can bring uh, the excitement back. Um, so let's, let's talk about Belted Kingfishers. Um, yeah. What was your reaction when you found out that the, the bird of the year, your bird of the year, right. was going to be Belted Kingfisher?
1: I was really excited and it would have been hard to give me a bird that I wasn't excited Fair about. Enough. yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Belted Kingfishers are a bird that I've seen everywhere that I've lived mm-hmm. in the United States. So they feel like this really steady constant for me which makes them that more that much more special yeah. so i was really excited and especially to paint a female belted kingfisher yeah we were we going to talk about that
0: one of the reasons that we were drawn to belted kingfisher is that it is one of the few north american birds in which the female is more brightly colored and arguably more visually interesting right. than the male yes um we have done dimorphic birds in the past but You know, the male is usually the one that gets featured on the magazine because it tends to be more striking on a magazine, but that's not the case with belted kingfisher. What a wonderful opportunity.
1: A huge opportunity. And I have tried in my work to shine a light on female birds Mm -hmm. as they are often a bit underappreciated for being more muted or soft or elegant. And I was just really stoked to feature this bird in all of her glory with her rusty red belt. Uh, just being the beauty that she is, you know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, what
0: is a t- typical experience you have with Belty Kingfisher here in Nashville or, or anywhere? Right. Really?
1: Yeah. You know, I actually, I, I think I have a neighborhood Kingfisher mm-hmm. that I see That's pretty nice. regularly walking my dog Nina, Nina and I will be on our morning walks and I will hear her before I see her, you know, and then of course my head starting around trying to find where she is flying. And yeah, there's kind of a Creek that runs through my neighborhood and I often see her sort of patrolling the Creek and yeah, really, really regular interactions with them. Mm -hmm. And which makes them that much more special to me because my favorite subject to paint is a bird that I'm connected to in a way. So I just was really, really happy to paint. Her. I, I kind of envision that it's actually that Kingfisher that, that Kingfisher? I see in my neighborhood.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the illustration is, you know, there's a lot of plant mm-hmm. or around it. Yes. Kind of Framed. Right. Um, you, is there, are those plants in places yep. in your neighborhood as well? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. When
1: I was working on the composition and thinking about what I wanted to include, I was literally taking little nature walks around my yeah. neighborhood, taking pictures of specific plants, thinking... That's a good one to include. I'm going to include that one in there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, my own experiences with both kingfishers, I have, yeah, like you i have thousands of experience, little experiences with both right. kingfishers always one of those birds that you get super excited to mm-hmm. see. It's one of those birds that makes a bird walk. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, we see them, we see them in places where they have like kind of the, the banks cut away. That's really a common where I live in North Carolina, mm. where there's been some sort of construction and they've right. made a lake somewhere. And they've had to like kind of cut away the side of a, of a hill or something. And it makes those little like clay walls where they, you know, bury, make their, bury their little holes in there Mm -hmm. and and build their nests. And, um, sometimes you even see them like kind of far back in the woods, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Um, but as long as there's water nearby and, um, where I live on the coast, we get the wintering belted kingfishers too. So you will see them like on power lines along the outer banks or something in places (laughs) where there is absolutely no like topography, topography at all. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's neat to see them there as well.
1: Yeah. It's cool that they thrive basically everywhere as far as I understand (laughs) in the United States. You know, I've lived in Savannah, Georgia, I've Mm -hmm. lived in Ithaca, New York, Seattle, Mm -hmm. Washington, and most recently this past summer, uh, Sitka, Alaska. And I saw the Kingfishers even all the way up there. (laughs) Yeah. Wow.
0: Oh, I didn't realize they made it all the way up there. Yeah. 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 You know, we, we'd saw. Frequently, we try to come up with a bird. Well, I don't know the, the reasons that we come up with the birds of the year are kind of. You know, people like to think that there's like a collective of ABA folks that go into <laughs> a darkened room and try and like work this out every right. year. But honestly, it's like, uh, what what bird would be fun? What bird do a lot of people in the in North America and the ABA area get to see a lot? Right. Um. Sometimes it's not that, but um. Yeah. It's it's fun to always come back to those birds because so many people have experiences with belted kingfishers. And it's a bird that a lot of people can really relate to, I think.
1: Definitely. And I also feel like it's a great sort of step into being a little bit more of a a birder, Mm -hmm. you know? So any of my friends who are not necessarily that into birding, when we're out, I'm like, hey, check this out. Yeah. Do you hear that?
0: Yeah. yeah, Do you see
1: that? That's a belted kingfisher. And they're like, oh, dang, that's pretty cool, you know? It's kind of a gateway bird, if you will.
0: (laughs) It's a a call that people can really readily recognize as well. Um, I think my favorite... Uh, My favorite description of it is, you know, know those party toys where you spin them around and like at New Year's Eve and they go like... Mm -hmm. Little clackers. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. what they sound like. (laughs) That's exactly what they sound like. That's it. Instantly. You get them. And whenever you hear one, it's like you look up and bombing right overhead. Yep. (laughs) Um, Can you talk a little bit about your artistic process? How you... You, t- you talked a little about laying this this artwork out. Right. Um, what are, can you walk us through the steps of creating something like this?
1: Yeah. So generally speaking, I will start by making a bunch of thumbnails, which are essentially mm-hmm. tiny sketches that are really loose just to see what direction that I want the composition to go in. And... Most of the time, a thumbnail rises to the top really quickly as like, oh, this is the obvious yeah. choice. Next to the other ones, there's no comparison. Yeah. So once I get the thumbnail approved, I move to drawing actual size on a piece of tracing paper, mm-hmm. actually. So I'll do a big old sketch and uh, I'm gathering references like nobody's business. Yeah. So how do, you,
0: how do you, where do you get those references? I know some right. bird artists like to use... Uh, bird skins that Mm -hmm. they might find in a local museum or just now it's kind of a golden age for bird artists because the the internet (laughs) is there with thousands of Mm -hmm. images of belted kingfisher you could choose from how do you find one that that kind of works for you
1: right so the trick is not just finding one I think I counted and I used over 30 belted kingfisher references for this painting and what I end up doing is picking a pose that looks the best but then kind of frankensteining a bunch of Mm -hmm. pictures together to make sort of the perfect reference for this piece. So I don't have to cling to one reference too directly, you know, I don't want to directly copy a photographer's work. So I'm making sure to do like a healthy amalgam of photos that make this one beautiful composition. But yeah, you know, the internet, man, they're just, it's incredible. The number (laughs) of Kingfisher pictures that are out there, you wouldn't believe. And also in my research, I was finding how many other cool Kingfishers there are in the world. Oh yeah. Uh,
0: (laughs) we, We are actually, uh, very poor. Kingfisher, yeah. poor in the Americas, yeah. they do so well with kingfishers in in Africa and, and Asia. True, it's incredible. We some have, really wild ones. We're too.
1: lucky to have the one, but yeah. it I was sort of like, dang, we could have had more. I you know, know? some <laughs> with like really long tails, <laughs>
0: yeah. and some that have like these. Like there's like there's one with like a massive blunt bill, like yes. what is it, shovel bill kingfish Right, I'm going off on a tangent beautiful here, colors, but, yeah. you know.
1: But yeah. like I I do love our kingfisher exactly yeah. as they are. So <laughs> so drawing the kingfisher, yeah. Is there a part
0: of so the kingfisher has a lot of kind of exact exaggerated features. It's a very Mm -hmm. weird shaped bird if you think about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is there any part of it that was the most fun?
1: I think their spiky hairdo. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. The beak and the spiky hairdo combo are pretty hard to beat. And when (laughs) I sketch birds, I start with the beak. Okay. It's kind of like an anchor point for me. So I started with this huge beak and I was like, it's Mohawk time. So it was just (laughs) like a fun, (laughs) a fun bird to draw a fun process and just Kind Of a joy throughout, you know. Yeah, I
0: can imagine that's got to be hard too because the bill and like the whole head, yes, is so big, yes, on a kingfisher. It is. How do you get the proportions right? <sighs>
1: You know, you do a lot practice. of measuring yeah. and practice. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you want to make sure that the eye is the right place because mm-hmm. the eye, in my mind, kind of really makes or breaks a bird. You know, if For it's sure. too far back on the head, you're like, what's yeah, is that, that bird okay? Yeah. yeah. So just doing a lot of measuring, sort of proportional measurements, like the beak as in as it relates to the rest of the head, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of really nerding out about the proportions and then <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: it you all and falls Peter into Pyle. place. Uh, the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you and bird banders are yes. the, the Artists and bird banders
1: mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: <laughs> so from there you've laid it out you've yep. kind of drawn your yep. sketches where do you go from there
1: so for this piece i wanted to do the painting itself on this sort of charcoal gray paper yeah. that i had yeah so what happens next is i've got the sketch all worked out on this big sheet of tracing paper and i line it up on top of the paper that i'm going to paint on And I transfer the sketch using transfer paper. Mm -hmm. So visualize with me if you will. will. (laughs) There's a charcoal gray piece of paper and the transfer paper is sitting between the charcoal paper and the drawing that I've done. And I essentially retrace over the top of the drawing and it transfers those lines onto the charcoal paper. That's why it's called transfer paper. So essentially I'm just taking the drawing from one paper and transferring it onto the final paper. All right. And the reason I do that is because you don't want to be sketching and erasing on your final paper Mm -hmm. and like making a bunch of lines and chewing them up. I want to make all my mistakes on a separate piece of paper. Yeah. (laughs) And then once I'm ready, transfer it down. So I transfer it and then I get to painting. I started with the leaves first this Mm -hmm. time because frankly, I was like, you know, I'm a little rusty on my botanicals. I really wanna, <laughs> <laughs> I want to get these leaves yeah. right, and I want to get them done, and then I'm gonna hit it with the kingfisher. So after that, it's just painting for, uh, over a hundred hours on this wow. one. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you save the to save the kingfisher for the, la- save for the last. Save the kingfisher for last. Best. best for last. Best for last. Yeah.
1: And I also save the eyeball for the very last okay. thing that I do.
0: Is, that a, is there a personal preference to that? Do you yeah. save it because the the once you get that eye right, it's like right. bam, yes, finished.
1: It's kind of like the cherry on top, which yeah. is a weird thing to say about an eyeball, but <laughs> it is actually how I feel <laughs> physically.
0: You know, yes, it resembles a cherry exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but it really brings the painting together and gives the bird a soul. You mm-hmm. know, kind of brings them to life. So that's yeah. why I like to to do that last because it feels like okay, everything has finally come together. Yeah, we're here. You know. Yeah.
0: So. Who are some of your artistic inspirations oh as gosh. an illustrator, fine artist? Anything? Wow. you've done it all. Yeah, so yeah, who do you so, look to as someone that you've uh, you've really taken inspiration from their work?
1: So there are, of course, you know, sort of classical examples like mm-hmm. Roger Tory Peterson mm-hmm. makes my favorite guides. Sibley is a big inspiration too. You know, there's something about the way he communicates information so simply and clearly that's very inspirational to me. Mm. And Peterson kind of has like a little bit more pizzazz to the birds. Yeah, I don't know. He so certainly has
0: a distinct style.
1: He does. And then I have a lot of peers that inspire me very yeah. much. Alex Warnick is one of my favorite bird artists right now. Jane Kim as well. So I'm writing is all down for yes, future birds exactly. year. Yeah. Yes, please. Oh gosh, call them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just an, an amalgam of old and new bird artists that I am constantly looking at their work and looking at books and just trying to make my own style while still being inspired by them. Is there a
0: community of scientific illustrators, bird artists, folks that are kind of, you know, talking back channel about their work, working through problems, working through process.
1: Right. You know, there is a community and social media has been such a cool development for art communities. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) sometimes making art can feel really isolating, but I actually think that, my art now is a more social and open process sure. than ever. So getting feedback from other artists is huge and seeing their work in different stages of their process is mm-hmm. also very inspirational. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, wow, you do it that way. So Jane, who's a big inspiration to me, she paints the eye first while oh, really? I paint it last. And, and it's for the exact it, yeah. same reason huh. because it brings everything together so it's just funny learning about people's process and being like, man, this is so cool. I'm so inspired. It just, uh, it's awesome. It's great. Yeah.
0: So the, I, that wasn't an intentional segue,
1: but it right. segues very sure. nicely into,
0: um, <laughs> you know, another thing that I wanted to ask you about, uh, one of the things that you're known for in yeah. addition to the art itself is right. streaming your art on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are a prolific streamer I and they're very entertaining. <laughs> um, how did you discover that medium and right. sort of what keeps you doing it?
1: Yeah. Great question. So my brother actually got me into Twitch. He was streaming video games first and Mm -hmm. I was on that platform supporting him. And he told me, you know, some people stream their art. And I thought, huh, could I do that? I'm not very technologically savvy, which I guess I can't say anymore, but then I was a little intimidated by it. So I started doing a couple of live streams on Instagram during the pandemic Mm -hmm. where I was just working on some art with some quiet music, people would come by and chat, and mm-hmm. it was just a very lovely time. And it's like I said it took my art from being something that was very quiet and sort of isolated yeah. to this community activity. So, I just thought, you know what? I'll give I'll give that Twitch a try. And I <laughs> sort of took off. I will have my two year stream anniversary this month. So, <laughs> wow, congratulations. Thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, they're the, the really entertaining. Yeah. Do you, you've obviously got a community of followers right. that really keep coming back yeah. and enjoy? Do you, is it, a, is it a mixed group of artists? Are they people that just like to watch the artistic process? Are mm-hmm. they people that are interested in birds? Is it a, amalgamation of all these different people who are getting something out of it right (laughs) yeah i imagine there's a lot of different people who find you Mm -hmm. and you know stick around for their own reasons yeah but you know you obviously get something out of it as well
1: right i do i feel like my community is so wonderful and people arrive for all different reasons whether they're interested in art whether they're interested in birds whether they're interested in co-working. There's a lot of mm-hmm. reasons to be on Twitch, right? And I love that my stream is kind of a a catch-all, like, mm-hmm. ooh, I'm going to bring you in for art and I'm actually going to make you fall in love with birds on the sly. Yeah. So <laughs> a lot of folks in my community have actually started birding for mm-hmm. the first time oh, in great. their lives and putting up bird feeders, buying their first pair of binoculars and hanging out with them is just the best. It's so fun and fulfilling and the time just sort of slips through my fingers. Yeah. I'll just start painting a bird and all of a sudden it'll have been five hours. <laughs> yeah.
0: Have you learned anything about your own process mm. by doing these, these Twitch streamings? Cause you know, right. you sort of talk your way through do. the process that you're doing. Do you, do you, do you surprise yourself at any point when you're, when you're working on these?
1: You know, I don't know if I surprise myself, but I always just feel more and more comfortable talking about my work yeah. while I make it, yeah. which I think just helps me in my process feel super comfortable. It also helps me when I teach as mm-hmm. well, because it's just like I know my process so well. Right. I know myself. I know my paint strokes. And so it just feels really comfortable to talk about at this point. Yeah. Just easy. Easy easy. Yeah.
0: And so you've you've obviously, you know, turned people onto birds and right. birding. We we sort of asked you to keep this particular work sort of quiet for a while. Was it difficult to keep this work? <laughs> secret.
1: It was difficult to keep this work secret. I felt like I genuinely felt like a secret agent, like flipping my (laughs) studio back and forth because I used the same area to stream. Oh no. See,
0: we should have thought about that before (laughs) before we asked you to do this. Right.
1: So I would (laughs) Bring the Kingfisher out and work on it and then meticulously hide the painting, the yeah. palettes, because the Kingfisher's colors yep. are so distinct. And when I finally like a got special to special recessed area exactly. Under your floorboard, yes, yeah. it pops out yeah. when I say a password. Yep. Uh but I told my community when I was finally able that I was painting the bird of the year mm-hmm. and every stream, they were like, What is it? <laughs> what is the bird? Oh
0: no, we get that all the time. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> And when people
0: correctly guess it, because, you know, eventually someone's going to guess yeah. it correctly. You have to be like, mm, no, I don't know. Maybe. Can I tell you
1: something amazing? Is yeah. that nobody guessed nobody it. Guessed nobody guessed it. Nobody guessed it. Wow. Not one time. Although when people would just talk about belted kingfishers, when they came up, I was like, yeah. be cool, yeah. Liz.
0: <laughs> don't <blow> it. <laughs> <laughs> we had a... So we, so one of our Young Birder publications did a, can you guess the bird of the year? Mm. Little contest thing. And I guess... I. I, I was not involved, although I do guess that someone, someone did guess it and oh. we had to like, well, they'll be very excited. They'll be they very excited a hat or something. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They deserve a hat for <laughs> sure. Hat at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, one of the things that you're no, sort of known for is um, drawing birds with cowboy boots. I am known hats. for that. Yeah. So uh, I guess my question <laughs> for you is, will we get special edition belted Kingfisher merch with uh, cowboy boots and uh, cowboy hats?
1: My answer to that is yee Yes, yeah, you will. <laughs> so I, I,
0: you know, I wrote this question down and I was, I was sort of like, well, well, how would that look? Because right. it'll be weird because belted kingfishes have teeny
1: tiny little legs. It is going to be so enormous funny. Heads. It's going to be <laughs> yeah. the funniest I feel like the hat is going to sit on top yeah. of the mohawk. Yeah, could be like a
0: 25-gallon hat. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think they're going to have a little bandana as well. It's got and just the it. Yeah. tiniest little cowboy boots you've ever seen. Maybe, maybe you could
0: put like a, a belt, a big oh, belt true. buckle on mm-hmm. the rusty belt. Yes. Across the middle, I feel like. Beautiful. Yeah. Yep. I of love it. a piece? It. <laughs> <Of> a piece. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. All right. So um, Liz Clayton Fuller, our 2023 <laughs> Bird of the Year artist. Her work will be featured in the January 2023 issue of Birding Magazine, she is I paint at I paint burbs on all the socials and most notably on Twitch where yes. she paints and draws for a delightful community of bird and art enthusiasts, <laughs> uh, especially if they are listening to this uh, this, this interview, uh, which is come of no surprise that they're so nice. Um, congratulations again, Liz, and uh, thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you. And thank you, ABA, for letting me paint that burb. It was Absolutely. a joy. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah. Is it a burb or a borb? Are we sure?
1: I think it's, it's between.
0: It's right on the nexus. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah it is. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much, Nate. <laughs>
0: The American Birding Podcast is brought to you by the American Birding Association. Thanks to everyone who donated to our end of year appeal. We appreciate your support of the organization and this podcast, but the best way to support this podcast continues to be by joining the ABA. You can find out how to do that at aba.org join. We have a number of shout outs to make this week to Kyra Toro-Barto of Fuquay Verena, North Carolina, Kelly Meineke of Ansonia, Connecticut, Wendy Walker of Seattle, Washington, Nicole Matusik of Crosswell, Michigan, Jim and Vicky Wheatley, of Louisville, Kentucky, Sally Griffith Onan of Portland, Maine, Eleanor Gray of St. Paul, Minnesota, Gregory Sremkowski of Bay City, Michigan, Garrett Moon of Moose, Wyoming, Samuel Reitnauer of El Paso, Texas, Mary Saris of Newport Beach, California, Nathaniel Crane and family of Traverse City, Michigan, and Ann Walters of New Orleans, Louisiana, all of them recently joined the ABA. Well, not so recently. Some of them were from last month, but they all recently joined the ABA and entered the podcast as a reason for doing so. Thank you so much. Welcome to the ABA. I really, really appreciate it. Executive director of the ABA and executive producer of the podcast is Nikki Belmonte, whose experience with Kingfishers escaping before she gets close to them has her calling them Bolted Kingfisher. Tactical production is by John Lowry, whose Kingfisher ice sculpture couldn't handle the Nashville weather, and by the time we got to our event, it was pretty much just a melted Kingfisher. Additional help with social media comes from George Munoz, who is something of a master at attracting curious royalty. One might call him a Kingfisher. Why else do you think Prince Harry lives in Southern California now? You can find us online at aba.org on social media. Most everywhere is American Birding Association or on Twitter. We are at ABA. Like many of us over the last two pandemic years, Valtek Kingfisher has done away with his namesake pant support apparatus, which means that post-pandemic, we are all looking for the much more casual and comfortable drawstring Kingfisher. Questions, comments can come to at aba.org. I'm Nate Swick. Thanks for listening. See you next week.